What a fellowship, what a joy divinely leaning on the everlasting arm. What a blessedness, what a peace of mind leaning on the everlasting arm. Leaning, leaning, safe and secure from all continues to strengthen us so that we can keep his statutes, his commandments, his laws. We must have his strengths. We had to have him for our salvation. We had to have his action, his power, his strength, his love, and his desire for us. Why did he save me? I'm one of the worst. That may be why. That may be why. That it may be seen that it's God that does good and not me. Does that make sense? The first shall be last and the last shall be first. The Lord picks the weak that He might show His strength through them. Psalm chapter 77. I cried unto God with my voice, even unto God with my voice, and he gave ear unto me. In the day of trouble I sought the Lord. My soul ran in the night and ceased not. My soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God and was troubled. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed, Selah. Thou holdest mine eyes waking. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I have considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. I call to remembrance my song in the night. I commune with my own heart and my spirit made diligent search. Will the Lord cast off forever and will he be favorable no more? 
Is his mercy clean gone forever? forever? Does his promise fail forevermore? Hath God forgotten to be gracious? Hath he in anger shut up his tender mercies, Selah? And I said, This is my infirmity, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember thy wonders of old. I will meditate also of all thy work and in talk of thy doings. Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary, who is so great a God as our God. Thou art the God that doest wonders. Thou hast declared thy strength among the people. Amen. We're going to be in the book of First Peter this morning. Turn with me to the book of First Peter. And in the first chapter. And I did preach on this last week, and I just kind of barely got started last week. And it's going to be a continuance of a continuance of heaviness and rejoicing. So this will be part two of the, our lesson on heaviness and rejoicing. First Peter, chapter one and verse one. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia. Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. In other words, this is who he's speaking to. This is how he is uh, addressing the people that he is addressing in this letter. The elect, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Still addressing who he is addressing. Naming who he's talking to. He says, Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Blessed, verse 3, be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope or a living hope, how did he do that? By the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again. Well, we were begotten. We were born of the water, as the Lord uh, described in Nicodemus, when we were bo- our mother's water broke. Our mother was expecting us for there around nine months. Her water broke and we were begotten. We were born. We came out into life. Here, Peter says that he has begotten us again unto a living hope. We know by Scripture that we are born into sin, that we inherited that sin from Adam because of the fall in the Garden of Eden. That nature is upon us. The Bible says that we are dead in our trespasses and sins. Peter says that he has begotten us again unto what? A living hope. In other words, when he saved you, he brought you out of that veil of death that you were living under because you were separated from God because of your sinful nature and the fact that you sinned because you were a sinner. And he has begotten you again. You've been born again. The Lord told Nicodemus, you must be born of the water and of the Spirit. And he described how the Spirit is like the wind. We don't know. We don't know where it's going to show up, do we? Or which way it's going to blow. But God does. 
All right. According to his abundant mercy, he hath begotten us again unto a living hope. How did he do that? He brought Jesus Christ, a dead body, and yes, Jesus really died. And he was really dead for those three days. But seeing that Jesus had fulfilled what he had promised to do in the everlasting covenant with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit, that was he came to redeem God's people that God gave him before the council halls of eternity, before the world began. God saw that he had accomplished that. And the Lord Jesus cried out, It is finished. That part was finished. He died for you and He died for me. And He qualified to do so. See, He didn't fall under that sin curse. Why? Because there was no man involved in His birth, was there? No, He has begotten us again unto a living hope. Now we're alive. How so? He put His Spirit within you when He quickened you. Verse 4 says, He has begotten us again unto a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Verse 3, To an inheritance that's incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away and it's reserved for you in heaven. Reserved in heaven for you. Who are kept, how? By the power of of God. You are kept by the power of God. Peter here is going to describe basically how God saved you and how your salvation is eternal. You're not going to lose it. Because as Paul told us, I believe in the last part of Romans 8, there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. His abundant mercy. Remember, that's what Peter said. All right. Who are kept by the power of God through faith. See, there's God's plan of salvation, isn't it? It's through faith. We've been studying about the Noah's Ark and the flood. And over uh, over in the New Testament here, we are told that He did so by faith. He built the Ark by faith. He believed God and him and his house were saved. We believe God. We believe that his word is his, the authentic word of God and it is for us. And we see the application when we read it. How do we see that it applies to us? Again, I say, when he saved you, he put the Holy Spirit within you. Amen. And did not Jesus promise that a comforter would come? And that he would show you all things. And he has and he does. Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. All right. Now we're getting down to heaviness and rejoicing again. In verse 6, wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. This life in Christ is a battle while we're still here on this earth. It's a battle. The Lord knew the battle well, didn't He? Absolutely. And as we read about His life, we see how He fought the battle. 
We see that his purposes in life were God's purposes for him. Constantly he pointed to God the Father, didn't he? The words I speak are the words that are given to me to speak. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness. Are we ever in heaviness? We absolutely are. We're in this sinful body. This body is under the curse that was passed on to Adam, rightly so, by a righteous and holy God. We do suffer, don't we? We are sick. We do hurt in all kinds of ways. I said this last week. Many times I wonder, and and I know that it's true, Paul said that all things work for good to those that love the Lord, those that are the called according to His purpose. I know that's true. But in my mind, when that pain, that nagging pain, keeps on and keeps on, I let myself wonder what good could possibly come out of this pain or of this sickness. But I'm so thankful that God knows exactly what we need. Notice in verse 6, He says, Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though or even though, in spite of the fact that you're hurting, ye greatly rejoice, though for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness. Well, I wasn't looking for heaviness. I wasn't looking for pain, sickness, or suffering. Suffering. I didn't think I needed it, so who knows? God does, see. He knows when suffering is needed. Look at how Job felt. Wow. Job was a man of God who loved God with all his heart, soul, and mind. God allowed Satan, and I'll say the word torture, to torture him. I'm sure he wondered when he was sitting there with those boils all over him in sackcloth and ashes, something good is going to come out of this. I wonder what it is. I'm sure he wondered, what could it be? But see, God meant it for good, didn't he? It was a lesson. It was a lesson that Job learned. Remember, God asked Job such things as, where were you when I pulled the string out and hung the stars? Where were you? You don't get to uh, dictate what you need in life. I do. I'm your creator. I'm your God. I know what you need. Amen. Kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be filled in the Revealed in the last time. We rejoice now for a season. If need be. If God knows. That you need to hurt. You will. You say well is that me paying for my sin? It is not. It's a loving father. Straightening his son out. Keeping him out of the road where the trucks are passing by. Where danger is. Teaching that son to listen. When that father says, Stop, don't run out in that road, 
that son or that daughter needs to know to respond immediately, don't they? That's what God's teaching us, I do believe, to respond more quickly to His Word. Not to put off keeping His commandments. Not to put off putting Him first in all things and aligning everything else behind Him. See, we have to keep Him first, don't we? He's the nucleus of our life. We have problems, we have issues, we have sicknesses, we have pain, we're distressed. If Jesus is the nucleus of our life, and the world is outside that circle, if we look outside to the world for comfort, for peace, for understanding of our life's uh, circumstances, we won't get the right answer, will we? No, we must look in to Jesus Christ. The middle of our life. Where is He at? He's in our heart, isn't He? He is. We must look to Him in all these things. He knows what we need. Now, here's the reason that we go through heaviness or in heaviness through manifold temptations that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perishes though it be tried with fire might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. This text is for Christians like me. The weak ones. The weak ones that are in need of God's strength. Every day. Every moment. I must remember to rely on Him knowing that I can rejoice even through trials. It's a lot easier to look back on a trial and see that, isn't it? It is. We can look back and see that that was tough, but God got me through it. He brought me through it. He strengthened me. He Now He drew me to Himself and I realized that it was Him that saved me from it. It is Him that sustains me and keeps me. Verse 8, 1 Peter chapter 1 says, Whom having not seen, ye love. And whom though now ye see Him not yet believing... You rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Oh, if we would be like Him. If we would be like Him and remember that all comes from the Father. All comes from Him. All good things do work for good to them that love the Lord. In the garden, before He was crucified, 
Remember, he asked that that cup be passed from him. But then he followed that up with this, Nevertheless, thy will be done. Not my will, but thy will be done. He had to bear this burden, didn't he? He did. So if we would be like him, we would realize, as the Scripture tells us, even the suffering we go through is not worthy to be compared with the glory that's going to be revealed in us. He's going to prepare a new resting place for us. And that's not all. What else is He preparing for us? A new body. A new body. One that doesn't ache, one doesn't get sick, one that doesn't have pain. We have to be careful not to depend on ourselves, don't we? We tend to do it. It's a tendency. It's a human tendency. It's what we want to do. We want to be independent. We want to take care of ourselves, not have to depend on other people. Why? Well, because we've been let down before depending on other people, haven't we? What did Peter do? Remember the Lord was talking about how he's going to deny him? Forsake, they would all forsake him? Peter said, not me. He said, though all of these forsake you, though every human being forsake you, I won't. What was he depending on? His own resolution, wasn't he? His own ability. His own strength. We need to be real careful, don't we? Because pride will get in the way, won't it? That's what happened to Peter. He was proud of his strength. He was proud of the fact that he was a follower of Jesus Christ. And rightly so. As long as he remembered who was the Savior and who was the sinner. That was a terrible lesson that he had to learn, wasn't it? He did deny the Lord three times. And the sign that God put in place and told him would happen, happened. A rooster crowed, didn't it? That's a terrible feeling. And I can relate to it. Because I am not faithful to love the Lord with all my soul, all my heart, and all my mind as I should be. How so? Because I allow other things to pollute my mindset, don't I? I do. If you're human, and I know you are, it happens to you too. We allow other things to cloud our vision of our life in Christ. Allow ourselves to doubt, especially if we're sick or hurting or wondering, why am I in this situation? Well, we greatly rejoice, 1 Peter 1, 6, though for a season now we are in heaviness. That word season is an important word, isn't it? It's just for a short time. We need to trust in the great physician, the great healer, our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. 
in everything because we can rejoice in this heaviness because it's only for a season. It certainly doesn't compare with the suffering He did for us. And by the way, He did that when we hated Him. And that's got to be tough. Love your enemy, that's a tough one, isn't it? When you know they hate you, they despise you, they lay snares so that you mess up. But we are to love our neighbor as ourselves, aren't we? That's second to loving the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. When you do that, you rely on Him and you realize He's making the decisions for the circumstances in your life. It's only for a season. And oh, praise God, we have a new dwelling place, including a new body. Praise God. If you know Him this morning, realize that He is in control of your life. Rely on Him, depend on Him, walk in His ways. If you love me, He said, keep my commandments. Keep my law, keep my precepts, walk in my ways. And you will rejoice into and for eternity. What a great Savior we have this morning.